I grew up on a farm, most of you are aware of that, and uh, I uh, and my brothers, we often, when we were younger, uh, at the time of, of this, it, when it happened, I was 13, my brother was, my other brother was 11, my other brother was 8, and we had a whole bunch of friends uh, that came over, and we would make forts in our haymow, and, uh, and this particular day, we were going out to the fort in our haymow, and uh, we got to the entrance, and on a bale of hay is an animal that looks, appears dead. And, uh, and my brothers are like, we got to get rid of that. How are we going to get into our fort? And, and I'm like, yes, I, that looks like an ugly rat, cat, I don't know, I think it's a possum. Um, and what do you want me to do? Well, you're the oldest, poke it. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, all right, the, the, side, the sides are moving on this thing. I, it's breathing, guys. No, it's dead. Look, it's breathing. You can, you can see it. It's, there's, look at it. It's breathing. No, it's, it's dead. I'm like, it's a possum. Of course, it plays dead. My brother's like, no, get the stick and poke it. I'm like, okay. So I get a stick. And I poked the possum, and let's just say he didn't wake up happy. He woke up. He woke up, and he, he kind of like, if you've seen Elf, and he reaches down to, to give the raccoon a hug, it was a similar type of scene. The, the possum wakes up, and he starts hissing at me. I mean, like, like, I mean, like, and I am freaking out. I'm standing there freaking out. I am frozen solid. I cannot move. I look around, and all of my friends and my brothers have left the building. They're screaming and yelling like little kids on the way back out of the building, and I am standing there with this possum freaking out at me. And I'm like, i got to get out of here. And luckily, I, I ran out. Yes, I ran out. Uh, and I don't know where the possum went, but all I know is we came back, and praise the Lord, he was gone. Um, and there was no more confrontation with possum. Um, that was good. Uh, <laughs> there was indicators that this thing was alive. But we chose to ignore them. We chose to ignore that, and I, and I would not ever recommend to any of you pick up a stick and go poke an animal that looks dead. Don't do it. We, we ignored the indicators. We knew that a possum plays dead. I could see his sides moving. The thing was breathing. But now we didn't want to pay attention to that. And, and you know, what, what's amazing to me is, is we do the same thing in our lives spiritually. With our soul. There's indicators of, of what's going on in our soul. And, and oftentimes we ignore them. The truth is, is that honestly, the church is full of a lot of possums. We like to play dead. Or we like to just avoid the whatevers. And we just kind of act out like we're okay when we're not okay. And, you know, it's, it, it's a simple thing, right? Everybody goes around asking, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. When in fact, you know you're not. The truth is, is that just like the indicators that we had with the possum, there's indicators that we can look at and see that in our lives as individuals, whether it's me looking at myself through the mirror of the Word of God or, or looking at other people, we can see that there are indicators of what is happening in their soul. 
And either we're going to pay attention to those or we're going to ignore those, but it would be to our peril and to their peril if we, if we try to fake it and just go at it and, and then just ignore what's happening in our, in our soul, in our spirit, and in, in who we are on the inside. That would be to our detriment because that's not God's desire for us to be not well in our soul. And yet so many of us, myself included, it's so easy to fake it. It's so easy to just go through the motions of, of life and of spirituality and of, and of faith and of a being in relationship with God that oftentimes we just aren't even willing to examine our own soul. God's desire is that we would examine our soul. God's desire is that we would take a look at these indicators and know that, that what is going on in our soul not only affects us as individuals, but it affects others around us. And the truth is, is that your soul, the condition of your soul, does not just affect you for all of eternity. It affects everyone around you. And so it's vital for us to look at our soul. And what is pouring out of our life, and like last week we talked about, out of the overflow of your soul, your mouth speaks. One of the indicators that you can see what's going on in your soul is by how you talk, how you think, how you say what you say. What you say to other people is an indicator of what's happening in your soul. Are we ignoring that or are we going to listen to it? Today I want us to look at another one, and it's in 1 John chapter 4. So if you would, turn there, scroll there. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. This is being written, it has been written by the Apostle John. John is writing, he wrote the Gospel of John. Uh, in the Gospel of John, we know the, the purpose of that. John writes it. He says in John 20, verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. You can know what you believe in. You can know that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and you can have life in him. So John wrote the book of John, but then he didn't end there. The Holy Spirit continued to, to give him more things to write about, and he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Revelation, all these different books. And, and in 1 John, he's writing to believers in the church. How do we know that? Because words like beloved, words like my little children, my children, are repeated over and over, and even in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Why would, he, why would that be important? Because as we look at statements in 1 John and really throughout his writings, he says things like this, Whoever says... And then he gives a truth statement with that. Whoever says, for example, I know Jesus. Another one is, I am in the light. Another one is, I love God. But then he says, but if he says that, but then does not do it, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. And so John's concern is that we would allow sin to so fill up our soul that it overflows out of our soul and it affects not only us, but other people. Because the truth is, that's what sin can do. 
Sin can so fill up your soul, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. That, that is why Satan does everything he can to try to tempt you to say no to God and yes to sin because his desire is to destroy your life. Not mess it up. Not just make you fall. His, his desire is to destroy you. And he uses sin to do that. And listen to me, when he destroys and tries to destroy you, he's not just going after you. He's going after everybody around you. And the truth is, is that sin will not only destroy you, it will destroy the people around you. And so John is like, no, this is not what God wants. This is not what God desires. God desires for you to have life, to have it abundant. I'm writing you this so that you might not sin. Because the same thing, if, it's, if sin can so fill up our soul and overflow, the truth is, is that the Spirit of God can do that in our lives and fill us up to the point of overflowing that, not, yes, not only does it affect you, but it affects others around you. And so he writes in 1 John chapter 4, starting verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has, was made manifest among us, shown among us, that God sent his only son, notice that capital S, son, Jesus, that's Jesus, into the world, so that we might live through him, that's Jesus, in this is love, not that we loved, have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, there it is again, to be the propitiation. Ooh, big word. Say it, propitiation. Go ahead, say it. It's kind of fun, propitiation. Ooh, I learned a new word at church. Propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Can you guess what the indicator is? It starts with L and ends with of. Anyone? Love. Yes, nice job. Woohoo! Give yourselves a round of applause. Way to go. You got it. Love. Love is the indicator, another one, of our soul. And it has to do with what you believe about love. It has to do with what you believe about how you are loved. It has to do with how you love other people. Love is an indicator of what is going on in our soul. And if we're honest, we love love. We, we love love. We, we long to be loved. We long to love others. We talk about it all the time. We love our dogs. We love our cats. We love coffee. We love whatever it is that you, I love my automobile. I love my bed. I love, I love, I love. We say this all the time. We love love. The problem is, is that the world, this world in which we live in, has so messed up and distorted the view of love that, that it is literally destroying lives. And honestly, just like the early church, that distortion is influencing and undermining 
God's desire for humanity. And here's what you need to understand. No, no matter what you believe about love, no matter what you believe about how you love, no matter what, how, what you believe about, about the way you should love others, here, here's what you need to understand. It does not and it will not ever change God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I do not. This world can say all it wants to about what love means and what love looks like and how you should experience love and how love can be given. That does not change God. It does not change his word. God's desire is to give us his best. God's desire is to give us everything that we can have through a relationship with him. And what we need to understand is, is God's desire for us is love. Why, why do I know that? Look at verse 7, very first word, beloved. Beloved. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about our soul. We've been talking about who we be. Our being. Beloved is an identity word for every single one of us who know Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Christ, my friend, you can step over from this place of enemy to beloved of God. What does that mean to be loved? It means exactly that. Those who are loved. You are beloved because God loves you. God loves you. God loves you so much he sent his son. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that as a child of God, there is never a time when you are not under God's care. There is never a time you are not the object of his love. He loves you all the time. And it is not based on what you do or don't do. It is based on what his son did. He loves you. Remember, remember a couple weeks ago on Easter, we talked about that love, that, that he laid down, Jesus laid down his life for us. He offers for us forgiveness. He vacated the grave, and he gives to us everlasting life now. He loves you. The question is, is do you believe it? Do you believe that you are beloved? Do you believe that in your identity, who you are in Christ is a loved man, woman, child of God? Do you believe that? You are beloved. You are the beloved of God. What an amazing thing. What an incredible statement of truth in our life is that we are the beloved. Those who are loved. And he says, if you are beloved, then what? Let us love one another. What, that word love, it is the word agape. Say that word, agape. Go ahead. You just spoke Greek. Nice job. Agape. Say it again. Agape. It almost sounds like agape. Uh, but anyway, agape. Sorry, I don't know where that, that came from, Finding Nemo or something. Um, agape. That agape love, what, what a beautiful and an incredible thing is agape. It is goodwill. It is benevolence. It is willful delight in the object of love. It is faithful. It is committed. It is an act of the will. It is willing to sacrifice all of self for the good of another. It is God's agape, God's love toward us. And what does he want us to do? Beloved, 
those who are loved, let us agape one another. Let us agape one another. We're not commanded to love one another to somehow somehow earn or become worthy of God's love. We love one another because we are loved by God. We love one another because we are loved by God and have received that love and live in that love. You've heard the statement, hurt people hurt people. Let's turn that around. Loved people love people. You are the beloved of God. And as the beloved of God, you and I are called to love one another. The thing is, agape does not come naturally to us. Anybody uh, ever figure that out in your own life? Uh, yeah, it, doesn't come, it does not come natural. But what it does is it comes supernatural. Because of our fallen nature, we're incapable of producing such a love. If we are to love as God loves, that love, that agape, can only come from its source. Check out the verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. That agape love and then the call in our lives to agape one another comes from God himself. God gives us and equips us with the ability, because our identity is beloved, the beloved of God, to be able to love one another agape style. That's awesome. That's an amazing thing to realize that you and I can agape one another. And even Jesus, when he is saying, you've heard it said, hate your enemies, I say to you, love, agape your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. So he, he not only says it, he does it. He not only says greater love, greater agape has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. Jesus did it. He lived it. Yes, he's Jesus. Yes, he's God. But guess what? If you have a relationship with Jesus, then the Holy Spirit of God lives in you because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit your soul is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives in you, and you can agape one another. Not because of you. <laughs> not, not because you're, you're all that and whatever. Not because you love the other person. No, it's because of God. No, it's because of God. Where does it come from? It comes from God. Love, let us love one another, for love is from God. He continues on. He says, whoever loves has been born of God. That statement, born of God, what he's talking about here is a family resemblance. A family resemblance. The application here is that children take on the characteristics of their parents. We know this. We see this in, in, in families that we see. My poor daughter, for, for quite a while, people were telling her, you look a lot like your dad. Man, why would you tell her that? Thank God she's grown out of that and looks like her mama. There's a family resemblance though, right? 
Guess what? You and I, if we love, if, and, and, and again, we are the beloved who are to be loving others, guess what happens? You become a born of God, a child of God, and you take on his characteristics in your life. And you begin to love others the way God loves them, the way that God sees them, the way that God projects his love out onto others. You and I can love Whoever loves has been born of God. But that's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. He goes on and he says, and knows God. And we want to take that nose and we want to we go, that means head knowledge. That means that I've got all this up here about who God is. My friend, it is not just head knowledge. What, what that knows is that, that that word there is actually the idea of experiencing the love of God in your own life. Have you ever gotten to the place where you have experienced the love, agape love of God in your life? Turn, turn to your, your neighbor, I don't care, person on the left, person on the right, whatever, and say to them, look up, look them in the eye, get up in their business, look up in their, get in the grill, and say, you are loved by God. Go ahead, say it, do it. Yes, I like it, a little emphasis, nice job. You are loved by God, say it again. Now here, here's the thing, I want you to internalize this because this is not just true about the person next to you, you need to say this to yourself. I am Loved by God. Say, say, it in your, say it in your heart. I am loved by God. You, you are loved by the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are loved by God. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away from you. There is nothing that can split you away from the love of God. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Read it for yourself. You are loved by God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I don't care if everybody around you says you're not lovable. I don't care if your mom and your dad have rejected you. God will never reject you. God will never ever say to you that he does not love you. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. God loves you. I am loved by God. Do you believe that? Have you experienced that? I, I'll be honest. For, the, for all of my junior high and high school years, I did not believe that. I did not believe that God loved me. And it wasn't because I didn't have parents that loved me, and it wasn't because I didn't have other people around me that loved me. It's because I was not choosing to let God show me his love. And all I saw was the, the negative side of the church, the negative side of, 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 of human beings. Because let's be honest, we as human beings have a really difficult time loving we even as the church have a, have a difficult time portraying the agape love of God to a world that desperately needs to see it. 
But the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of the church, the beauty of God is that there are a whole bunch of people that want to be the church every day, everywhere, and they really long to show agape love to one another, and they long to show agape love to a world, but sometimes the problem isn't them. The problem is I'm not willing to see it, and that was me. Until I went off to college and I began to interact with people who loved Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And guess what? They loved their neighbor as they loved themselves. See, we, a lot of times we like to skip over that part. We'll say love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor, but we, we, we leave off the as yourself. Do you know there's, there's a part of what you need to come to grips with is that God loves you and you need to be okay with who you are and say, God loves me, I love me. Not in, a, not in a self-centered, narcissistic sort of, oh, I am so amazing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, if the God of the universe loves you, what in the world makes you think you shouldn't love you? If you're listening to the lies of the devil tell you that you're a failure, you're a liar, you're a whatever, you're a this, you're a that, you're a, and every single one of them, those things brings shame and guilt and, and whatever into your heart and life, that is not God. That is Satan trying to destroy who you are. My friend, you are beloved. You are loved by God. And so I started hanging out with these people who loved Jesus, and they started loving on me. You know what's interesting? You know what they didn't do? They didn't point out all my sin issues. They didn't need to. They just loved on me, cared for me in one of the darkest, hardest times in my life. And, and, and Jesus began to shine through them into my life and the reality is the Holy Spirit of God was convicting me of the sin that was in my life that was separating me from him and the biggest thing that was separating me from him was I was not willing to say yes God I surrender my life to you I repent of my sin and I turn to you but it was through their love them being the church every day everywhere I began to see the true love of God and it transformed my life And it still is transforming my life to this day. Am am I perfect? No way. So far from it. But like Paul, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Notice what he says. Anyone who does not love does not know God. What is he talking about there? This is soul language. Verse 8, this is soul language. If we are not increasing in a love for God and a love for other people, we cannot experience the love of God in and through our lives. We won't. If you are not increasing in your love for God and your love for other people, you are missing out on experiencing the love that God is demonstrating towards you. That is where I was at junior high and high school. What I loved was myself. What I loved was my comfort. What I loved was my popularity. What I loved was all the things that had nothing to do with God. And you know where it took me? Down a road that I wish I'd never gone. Are there regrets? Yeah. But I know I'm forgiven. 
I know I've been set free. I, I know that that's not who I am anymore. And Jesus loves me, this I know. Yes, because the Bible tells me so. Anyone who does not love, what he's saying here is, is if you're not increasing in your love for God and your love for others, you will not experience God. Why? Because, notice, verse 8, God is love. God is love. You want to know what love is? God is love. God is love, and he demonstrated, verse 9, in this the love of God was shown among us, how? Sent his son into the world, that we might live through him, and him is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the appeasement, the penalty for our sins. That's what he's saying there. The substitute for our sins. The mercy seat of our sins. God has placed his son on the mercy seat. God has placed all the sin in the world on his shoulders and he took it for us. Why? Because he loves us. So that you and I might live. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. And here's this point. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is seen through us. Jesus talking to his disciples in John, he says, I think it's John 13, he says, 34 and 35, I believe. Love one another. This is how the world will see. Because you love one another, they'll see you're my disciples. Here's the question I have for you and for me. Can others see the unseen God who abides in you by the way you love? My dad said this before, I'll say it probably a million times again, and I really don't care. My dad always used to say, son, you may be the only Jesus some people ever see. You may be the only Jesus some people ever see. He didn't leave it with that, though. He always followed up that statement with this, what Jesus will you show them today? You want to speak Jesus? Yeah, I do. I do. And we do. <laughs> Just be honest, we do. Whether it's the Jesus of the Bible or some other Jesus that we've made up in our minds or, or through our actions, but we show Jesus to a lost and dying world. Can others see the unseen God that's abiding in you by the way you love? You just close your eyes, bow your head. Worship team's going to come and lead in a song, and in just a minute we're going to sing. There's going to be people here at the front. There's going to be people at the back. Why are they standing up there, people might ask. The reason they're up here is so that we can pray with you. Maybe you're going, you know what, I really feel like God 
is wanting me to go. He's nudging me right now. That Holy Spirit is just pounding on my chest to say, get up and let's go pray with somebody. And, and here's, here's the thing you need to understand. There's no shame in that. There's no judgment in that. There's no guilt in that. All of those feelings are not from God. Those are from Satan keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do. Listen, you don't have to come to the front or go to the back in order to be prayed for. There may be somebody right next to you that's feeling a nudge from the Holy Spirit, and they're going, I, I'd like to pray for you. If you're willing, let me. So, so in this moment, would you be willing to just let someone pray? You don't even have to tell them anything. They don't have to know. God knows. And they can just pray, pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know, I've never experienced the love of God, but right now he's pounding on my heart and I believe he's demonstrating his love to me in that he wants me to put my faith and trust in him. My friend, do that now. Why wait? You're not guaranteed tomorrow, my friend. You're not guaranteed today. Put your faith and trust in him now. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know, I, I've really been struggling with love been looking for love in all the wrong places and I, I need to surrender myself to God let him love me let him demonstrate love to me I, I do not know what the need of your heart is but God does and maybe you're wanting to say you know what I'll come forward and I'll, I'll ask someone to pray for me or you don't have to again I'm, it's not a forced thing you do what God is laying on your heart to do but I want to encourage you do it do it you don't want to miss out on what God could do in your life today because you say no. Let's stand. Let's sing.